Sunday night edition of the Crash the Pond podcast. We are back with a plethora of topics. We've got a lot of things to get into. We're going to talk some playoff hockey, Stanley Cup final. Uh, we've got Ducks questions to get into. It's going to be a lot of fun. Jake, I hope you're ready for this. I am. I am. There may be even some random talk at the end that we may get into as, as you were opining about your fantasy football performance uh, from this past weekend. Opining is uh, is generous, more like weeping. Um, there you but go. yeah, I'll, I'll I'll accept that. Before we get into the the day's topics, though, do you wanna do you wanna spill the beans on a little little bit of exciting news? Just so maybe tease it. Some exciting news. So as you may see, if you are in our Twitch stream right now, or if you are watching this on YouTube, you will have seen that on your screen is a Manscaped logo. And there is a code along with that. CTP, as you can imagine, stands for Crash the Pond. If you go to manscaped.com and buy anything from there, you can get 20% off plus free shipping uh, by using that code. So we've partnered up with Manscaped. They've sent us some free stuff. The The first official pods will be in a little bit where you'll get the, the full read from us uh, going into our full experience. But I can say they have sent us the Lawnmower 3.0. And oh boy. <laughs> It does the trick, and it's got some bells and whistles that I was not expecting that really make a difference. So, I mean, how, how was your experience so far, Felix? So far, I've, I have used the Lawnmower 3.0, and I'm really happy with it as someone who, you know, has has lawn to mow. Uh, it, it does the trick, the LED light, and there usually when I, when I use the, um, like, other name brand... Uh, trimmers, I get like kind of irritation and I haven't gotten that at all using the lawnmower. So I'm, I'm really happy with it so yep, far. Definitely. It's a fantastic, fantastic product. You'll probably hear more about it from us in the future, but for now, that's it. Just go. And if you want some, uh, uh, 20% off, go check it out. Manscaped.com. Use the code CTP for 20% off. Yeah. You're, you're, you're getting a good deal. 20% off is pretty significant and you're also supporting your favorite podcast. So that is true. I, I don't know what else I really need to say there. Just just go and do it. CTP, that's the code. Okay, let's get into some topics that we've got submitted. We went to Twitter. Obviously, everyone knows right now that the Ducks are kind of, you know, we're, we're in a bit of the, th- this is the low point for the Ducks right now in terms of things to talk about. There it's is a, just not, it, not it, a whole lot going on. It's been a while since we've had some news, although it's going to come uh, fast and heavy come October, but... For yep. now, we're, we're kind of in, this almost feels like the dead days of August in terms mm-hmm. of uh, of news from a typical offseason where free agent frenzy has happened. You've had the week or two afterwards. Uh, no trades are really happening. And it's just basically all all the reporters are up at their cottages and it's all quiet on the, uh, all quiet. And so, I mean, that's kind of how it feels from a Ducks perspective right now, even though you have the cup final going on. Yes, and and for the Ducks, there's definitely a lot of action that's going to come our way very quickly. There's going to be the draft, free agency is going to arrive, the the season is going to start back up. We don't necessarily know when that will be, but with the, you know things will get really interesting really quickly. But for right now, we're we're just we're we're kind of at the the tail end of this, I would say. There there is light at the end of the tunnel, but. I went to Twitter, of course, and people delivered some some good questions, some good topics to get into. Let's start with one from our very own Ginger Wolf asking, question, would Anaheim have been a contending team these past few years if they had drafted Pasternak 10th overall? So if the Ducks had drafted David Pasternak, 
are they a contender right now? If we just take that that question at face value, does David Pasternak being injected into the current Ducks roster have them as contenders? Well, I think a good way to look at that would be to look at something in the sense of evolving hockey's uh, goals above replacement model and see kind of where that, that goals above replacement model will put them in. I'll, I'll pull that up and get that, that exact information for us so we have that. In my opinion, before even looking at that, I would say no, it doesn't make the Ducks a contender right now. It mm-hmm. may have uh, pushed them to the level of being in the race. Um, they probably would have been in the 2014 playoffs that happened mm-hmm. uh, this past season. Um, but I don't think they would necessarily be contending. Yeah. Um, well, so the, the thing with David Pasternak, at least in the last three years, is that he... And, you know, and if you look specifically at last season, this past season, for example, he is an elite, and I mean elite, power play player. He he has that incredible shot. He has that deceptive puck handling ability. He has that very quick and lethal release, and that makes him a, a weapon on the power play. He is the best power play player in the NHL right now. A lot of people might think it's Ovechkin, and he's right up there, but David Pasternak is the best to me, the best shooter in the NHL right now. There's some numbers that kind of go into that with expected goals, shooting percentage from different ranges. Uh, to me, at least, he I think he's the very best shooter. But that doesn't really translate at five-on-five five in terms of his on-ice impact. If you, like you were bringing up evolving hockey, um, his metrics at five-on-five five are kind of lackluster. And, and maybe, maybe what the way that models are currently constructed where – you know, they might not capture what David Pasternak does so well. Who knows? Because over the last three years, his actual goal scored output on ice has been exceptional, but the expected goals has been nowhere near that. So is he just one of those guys who kind of breaks those models? Who knows? But if you just look at pure shot attempt volume, uh, it's not great. The, the, the Bruins don't actually generate... Um, you know, kind of above break-even shot attempts with him on the ice. They are, you know, a little better. They're, they're pretty good defensively, but he's not really a, a true driver, it seems, at 5-on-5. Five five. And, you know, this is kind of surface-level data. Um, maybe if we dug into more micro stats that, you know, if you look at transition and things of that nature, that maybe it, it, would, shot, it would paint a different picture. But I think sometimes micro stats and player tracking and things like that can – kind of obscure a little bit the overall picture if if you're getting a certain result um, regardless of how it's being achieved the result is what matters and you could argue you you could say you know if you're a different team hey these are the micro stats here's how he's able to transition the puck enter the zone if we plug that into our structure the on ice results will be good but David Pasternak has arguably been in the best structure possible in the NHL the last three years playing on the perfection line in Boston and so if his isolated individual impact is is that lackluster, uh, I don't think I would go as far as to say that th- he would make the Ducks a contender. His power play ability that I started off with, his his lethal shot and his exceptional play there, I think that that would make a dramatic difference for the Ducks because right now the Ducks don't have um, they they don't have something to fall back on. They don't have an excellent five on five game. They don't have a dominant power play. They don't have that thing that you can point to and say they can do that very well. And so if they had David Pasternak right now, then you could say, okay, the the Anaheim Ducks are a team where if you put them on the power play, you might be in trouble. 
and that could make them a much more interesting team uh, in the playoff picture. But I, I don't think he elevates them quite to that Stanley Cup contender level. Agree or disagree? I agree with your your premise that he doesn't raise them to the Stanley Cup uh, contender level. One of the things, actually, I'm going to disagree with a little bit, and this is mainly just kind of looking at, at Goldsboro replacement, and now actually on your screen, um, everyone out there watching the video version of this, um, you will now see Evolving Hockey's uh, goals of replacement uh, data for both David Pasternak and then the person who he would have been drafted instead of in Nick Ritchie. And I think that that is a, a good comparison because that's the exact swap that would have happened there. And at uh, even strength offense, 1920, 11.5 goals above replacement. 1819, 9.3. 17-18, 8.9. Now, granted, goals above replacement is more so about what he actually did, not so much looking at expected goal data, and so maybe you might be right there. But in terms of actually what he produced and assuming that he could replicate that shooting percentage in Anaheim, he makes them a fair amount better by the tune of uh, 1920. Nick Ritchie was a 1.3 goals per replacement. When you factor in everything uh, from offense and penalty drive or penalties and everything like that, uh, David Pasternak in 1920, 17.8. So he would have basically amounted to about 10 plus more goals over the course of the season. And I think putting it in that context is key for the for Ducks fans out there that above a replacement level player, he would attribute 10 more goals than that. Well, so what would we call a win? How many goals do you think it is for a win on average? Two it's or a, three? Yeah, it's about three. So per this model, it would be about 3.2 wins above replacement. So he would have gotten the Ducks three more wins. Yeah, and, and, you know, I feel like, you know, without knowing much of the context of this statistic, that seems like it would be significant. Yeah. It also shows how one single player can't necessarily elevate a guy, a, a, sorry, a team into contention unless you're a Crosby, McDavid, Ovechkin kind of realm. Yep, exactly. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think he, he might be one of those guys who's kind of pushing the limits of expected goal models because – his production just completely obliterates the expected numbers So over here, over time. Tony in our Twitch chat has added, and by the way, I want to give a shout out, bring us the dingus, resubscribe for 21 months uh, wow. to the Twitch chat. So thank you so much. And uh, added, does this mean I can drink now? Yes. Go ahead and drink. Have yourself a beer like Felix is. I am. Um, I'm on the other hand having water because I've eaten very poorly over the last couple days. Uh, <laughs> and then Tony also resubscribed for 16 months and said Vezina for Silverberg. Um, so there you go. Uh, <laughs> noted uh, Silverberg fan. So, but Tony had a question saying, what about drafting David Pasternak instead of Nick Ritchie and then also keeping Shea Theodore? Does that put the Ducks into contention mode? That is, I think, a different equation then. <laughs> Much closer. Yeah, much, much closer. I mean, I think that if you factor in Shea Theodore and just Shea Theodore, like, you know, kind of exploring that one for a little bit, Shea Theodore makes the Ducks a better five on five team. If you just look at what he's become in Vegas. And I think that he is a driver in Vegas. He he drives the, their uh, their five on five play. He, he's not necessary because, you know, there's this thought out there that, well, maybe Theodore wouldn't have panned out this way had he remained in Anaheim. And mm-hmm. You can't pr- you can't prove something that that hasn't happened. You you can't prove it or disprove it. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. But in Vegas, what he's done at a at a young age is become a guy who drives play, and those guys are pretty rare. And I think that if he can do that, 
means he could probably done it anywhere and put him on Anaheim. All of a sudden, you've got at least two to three play-driving defensemen in any order of Fowler, Lindholm, and Theodore on the ice at any given moment. So you're controlling the shot clock, you're controlling five-on-five play, and then on top of that, you have a sniper up front in David Pasternak who can kind of rejuvenate Ryan Getzlav's, you know, just assist numbers and things of that nature. And you're you're looking at a pretty interesting team there, especially with John Gibson playing in a better environment with Shea Theodore controlling play out there, taking some of the pressure off of a Lindholm, a Fowler. Uh, yeah, I think to- Tony is right on the money there. Where if you introduce Fowler or sorry Theodore into that environment along with um, David Pasternak, the Ducks are the Ducks are a pretty interesting team. Like I said, yeah. And then uh, really quick, want to give a shout out, seeing as we had just done it to the other two people who resubbed. A few seconds ago, uh, Lewis X209 resubbed for 24 months. Oh, 24. So, thank you. Two years. Two full years. <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, the same amount of Stanley Cup banners hanging in the Bell Center. Just want to point wow. that out. Wow. Just, just, wow. Just want to point that out. Okay. Anyway. Now, now bring us to Dingus, Parker. Go ahead and drink now. <laughs> yep. There's your Habs mention. There, yeah, exactly. There you go. Anything else you wanted to add on this Pasternak kind of uh, hypothetical topic? No, I think kind of going through that little thought process right now, looking at goals above replacement, I think it, it's really telling about what can happen. And I think three win I mean, three wins from a singular player is, it, it's pretty significant, actually, when you look at it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, three wins, I mean, let me really quickly pull up the standings from this past season, but that's uh, going to be six points. And so that would have put the Ducks, I think, a little bit closer. Maybe they weren't wouldn't have been in the mix completely for the playoffs, but they would have been a little bit tighter uh, this past season had that been the case. Sure. And so sure. Uh, let me see. So the Ducks were ended the season with 67 points um, in the Western Conference. Uh, they were technically the first team out. Yeah, they would have if they would have uh, won three more games. So they would have ended up with if my math is right, my brain hurts from doing math so much right now, but they would have ended with 73 points. And so they would have been right in the mix because Chicago got in with uh, 72 points in 70 games. And so the points percentage may have kept them out, but they would have been right there. Okay. Well, how about this? So Shea Theodore, 6.4 goals above replacement this past season. Yep, exactly. So they would have been a playoff team or close to it. Mm Mm-hmm. So. If the math if the math holds up there, um, yeah. So things could have been different, but we could we could go on and on about that. And Any all thirty one teams have have a story like that, um, and unfortunately for the Ducks, it's kind of been laid bare in these playoffs with uh, Vegas advancing to the conference final and Shea Theodore looking great. But it is what it is at this point. I think that I am close to retiring this topic, yeah. just because it's it's become so. We've talked about it so much, and I think it's become cool to bring it up, you know, in the mainstream. And, you know, maybe I'm a hipster at heart. Maybe when something becomes mainstream, I, I move off of it. You definitely are. E- either way. Don't it, it, don't even say may. You are. <laughs> either way, we, we got to move on from that at some yeah. point. We, we yep. got there's another, to. There's another expansion draft to be possibly ruined. So yep. let's just focus on that for now. Let's move on to a next question. So Eric... Stites at Ducks Juggernaut former, on Twitter. Formerly of Anaheim Calling, good buddy of ours. Hall of Famer at Anaheim Calling asks, when the season finally begins, will Anaheim have an advantage 
or disadvantage from the extended offseason of nine-plus months. I'm curious how the teams that didn't participate in the bubble will look early, especially if the season is shortened. So a lot to unpack there because we don't really know yet what the structure of these games will even look like. I think at the, I'm hearing things that there will be different bubbles for regions that's kind of team. what I, that that's yeah. what i saw i saw someone reporting that that may be the case but it's all kind of up in the air that it may they may do that to start the season and then eventually get teams back into their home home stadiums mm-hmm. it may be december it may be january who really they don't really know as of right now and they're kind of exploring all options to see how it's going to be and to be honest I think that NHL deserves the benefit of the doubt when it comes to to this moving forward with how they they set up these bubbles and how they work these bubbles and, and really put in priority player safety mm-hmm. um, and and health throughout all of this. And so I think that to be honest, the NHL has kind of my uh, my trust right now to be able to do the right thing with setting this up for everyone's health and safety. And so it sounds like the bubble, like you said, maybe how they go, maybe they don't, but. Um, it's kind of up in the air. I think that the bubble would be the smart thing to do to start at least. We just don't know. I mean, the the NFL is pulling it off with no bubble. Yep. I mean, th- things have gone really well so far. Baseball's um, pulling it off also. I mean, yeah, to varying I mean, degrees of success. Baseball, I think it started off pretty rocky, but it seems you haven't heard much about it. You know, there's been some incidents here and there, but I think overall what sports are showing is that this is doable. This is a, this is something that's that's possible, and so I'm going to operate under the assumption that when the NHL returns, it's going to be, it's just going to be in arenas with standard standard travel. I, I don't think the bubble is just such an endeavor that I don't know they're that they're willing to take on, you know, for different regions. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, it's so hard to predict a few months out. How will it affect the Ducks, though? So I think that what these playoffs showed, especially if you look at the um, the uh, Stanley Cup qualifying round was that it doesn't really matter. <laughs> These are the best hockey players on the planet by a significant margin, and you put them out there best on best. Of course, it's not going to be playoff intensity. It's going to be regular season, but they're going to come out healthy, rested, guns a-blazing. Maybe there'll be some more injuries early on, but... They're gonna. I don't predict a scenario where it's gonna affect them negatively. I think maybe systems will be a little more, you know, disorganized. That the team play might be a little more up and down. But I think the players are gonna come out firing. I, I just think back to that first game I watched in the bubble, which I think was the very first game of the bubble, yeah. Rangers Carolina, mm-hmm. where guys were just looking to take each other's heads off. And I, yeah, I think I think that's what we're gonna see. These players. Think about all the players right now that have been watching from home for the last few months that have not been able to participate in the postseason at all. I mean, it, it's really just seven teams, but they must be chomping at the bit to get back in there and, and show what they can do. So I don't think it's going to have this this big negative effect. I think it's going to make for really good hockey early on. Do you think if it's not going to have a negative effect, do you think they'll have an advantage? Uh, I just think I don't think it's an advantage or I don't disadvantage. Either. Yeah, I, I I just think they're going to come out good. They're going to be rested. It, there may be kind of a, a bit of a drop off after that. You know, kind of a bit how we saw in the qualifying round. But I I I don't know. I I, I don't think it's going to have this this big impact. Also, there's the possibility of the season being shortened. Who knows? I mean, it, it's it, it's well, purely speculative and, at this point. And here's how I view it. I think that. 
maybe a, a team like the Ducks would have an advantage over a team like Dallas. Mm-hmm. But yeah. if you're trying, or maybe even Vegas, who went deep. But if you're trying to compare them to, I don't know, let's say Chicago or Edmonton, teams yeah. that, that didn't make it that far in the playoffs, I mean, Chicago, Edmonton barely played at all, to be honest. They played, <laughs> it went, what, four games, right? Was it four or five? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was five and, games. Yeah. Five games, and then Chicago Chicago got swept. Or no, they won one, right? Or it might have been four games, whatever. I don't uh, remember. I don't remember, it, yeah. It, it, it was so long Chicago ago. won one game, yes. Chicago won one game, so mm-hmm. they played for like two or three weeks. So in reality, are those two or three weeks going to mess with their rest um, no. and, and their bodies? No. So I, I think maybe you could make the argument maybe it's an advantage for Anaheim versus the teams that went late, but that's the same every year. It's mm-hmm. no different than a regular uh, uh, playoffs where the teams that make the cup final are usually in a tough spot at the start of the season because of how much they played. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, yeah, and, and and that's the thing. And I think that for the Ducks, they have so much to prove next season. They have so much to get right. And you could say that for every team that, that, that didn't get invited to the bubble. I mean, you know, look at Ottawa, San Jose, L.A., the, these teams, Buffalo – they want to prove that that they can actually be a part of whatever it's going to be next time around. That you hate to be that team that stays at home, and so I think that especially for the Ducks, we've talked about this, you know, all off season that they have to establish an identity. They have to get back out there and get back to some level of competitiveness. So it's going to be really intense right from the first puck drop. Yeah, and and one other thing, kind of talking about the NHL and what they're going to be doing. I was curious if there had been any word on the AHL, because that is also of importance. We're, we're talking about there's a couple of guys from the Ducks that are for the Ducks future that probably will be in the AHL. Trevor Zegras probably is going to have some time in the AHL this upcoming year. Whoever the Ducks end up taking with their their sixth overall pick may mm-hmm. be eligible to be going, going to the AHL, depending on who they end up taking and where he's from. Mm-hmm. And uh, the AHL, so this was granted back on July 30th. So there's been a fair amount of time that has passed, but they said they're targeting December 4th uh-huh. and there has not been an update to that as of yet. So I would assume that probably the AHL will begin around the same time as the NHL. They probably were targeting an earlier date, but it seems like if the NHL has decided early December, isn't when they're starting, I would assume that the AHL will follow suit. Yeah, and, and that is going to matter for the Ducks, like you said, because of guys that probably are going to need some time down there. So that that is going to be something to monitor. Do you have anything else to add to this topic, um, you know, in terms of the rust factor or, or kind of just no. how the team's going to look out of the game? No, I mean, I'm really curious to see what it's going to do for – I mean, the only advantage that you could have is any guys that were injured. Any, I, I think a guy like Getzloff could end up being uh, – could benefit from this extended offseason because – you're able to really get your body in in shape that you need because typically off seasons, yes, they, they feel long, but as a player, you kind of take that time, you rest, you relax, and then you eventually get your body back into shape. And now you have more and more time to get your body into top form and, and get yourself really, really going. And I really think that the extra time off could benefit a guy like Ryan Getzloff. I mean, we saw it granted a little bit of a different scenario, but when Tame Mussolini, 05, the 0405 lockout, he used that year to get knee surgery. Um, potentially, was going to retire if he didn't. Mm-hmm. But having that year off allowed him to get reconstructive knee surgery. Came back 0506 and kind of the rest is history with how he finished his career with the Ducks uh, from then on. And so having that time off as you're later in your career could allow you to have a little bit of a better season because of 
the rest factor for him. So mm-hmm. I, I think a guy like Getzloff could benefit from this. I'm not sure how it's going to affect the younger guys. They may be really chomping at the bits to get back in. Uh, I mean, think about Trevor Zegras, for instance. He signed his NHL contract, was potentially going to be playing in the AHL that next weekend, and now he's been off for, <laughs> for what, six-plus months now? Yep. And in a typical time would be going into his would have just finished rookie camp would be in training camp right now um, in his first NHL training camp, getting some preseason games, potentially trying to earn a spot for opening night. And now instead, mm-hmm. instead it it's kind of him really trying to keep himself in shape, add muscle. I mean, also guys like that, I guess maybe you could look at it. And I believe I saw an interview with him or I saw someone put out there that, with Trevor Zegras, or no, it wasn't Zegras. It was actually something about Jamie Drysdale, but the concept still applies of using this offseason to really add muscle to your frame. Mm-hmm. Similar with Getzloff, you can use the extra time to really get in the weight room. And a guy like Zegras is a guy that probably could use a little bit of added muscle. Same thing with even like a guy like Troy Terry. Yep. And, and, and so use the extra time for your advantage. Add that extra muscle. Add that extra kind of little bit that you need. And I think mm-hmm. that hopefully that ends up happening. Yeah. The other guy is John Gibson. <laughs> true, true. Uh, John Gibson, at his relatively young age, has already a ton of miles on his body. Uh, he's He's been playing in either meaningful hockey games or playing big minutes for his team since, I mean, he was a teenager, basically. And so for him to get this extended time off, especially with the injuries he sustained in the past few years, I think that he he might have a vintage season next year. I think that if there's a, cause you see with goalies, I mean, we saw with Carey price in these playoffs in the, in the qualifying round in the first round, a rested goalie can be a dangerous goalie. And I think for the ducks, I mean, it's the same thing with the Canadians. You know, we don't know. I mean, there was an article released by Eric Stevens about, you know, Ryan Miller's future in Anaheim and how he's, juggling his options you know Anaheim or bust is what it sounds like yeah and he's not sure about what next season is going to look like and the Ducks need I think they need to move on from Ryan Miller um, Ooh, that's a hot take I mean he's 40 first off he's 40 <laughs> well and yeah it's still a hot take that they they need to move on from him here's my reasoning go for it they need to move on from Ryan Miller not because he's a bad goalie not because he's uh you know the bad teammate or or whatever the case may be but they need a guy who can come in and take not just some of the some of the pressure off of John Gibson but significant pressure off of John Gibson because i now more than ever really are am just i'm just digging my feet into the notion that you need a goalie you need as close to a tandem as you can get while still having a clear starter in the NHL to really maximize your starter because ultimately you're paying that top starter to perform at his absolute best. I don't think you're paying them to play in 70 games. You're playing them to win you games when they are playing. How do you get there in a position that's so taxing physically? You find ways to rest them as often as possible. And it's not just sitting out morning skate. It's not just skipping practice. It's not resting on the on the back end of a back-to-back or, or whatever it's it's playing less games getting down well, into the 40s and ryan miller as good as he is he's a 20 to maybe 30 game backup at this point and so that's why i think that there's going to be a lot of goalies in the open market 
uh, this upcoming offseason. There's going to be a lot of guys who are going to get squeezed out because of the flat cap. There, It's going to be a game of musicals chairs. There's going to be guys who are really good who just aren't going to be able to command uh, what they think they, they're going to be able to because of the amount of guys that are in uh, the, the pool. And this is a situation that the Ducks, I think, have to pounce on. Yep. I, so I was curious. I, uh, for whatever reason, I thought he had played more games, but you're kind of spot on. 20, 30 games. He's played 28 in 17, 18, 20 in 18, 19, hey, it's 23 almost, in 19, It's almost 20. like I know what I'm talking about. It's almost as if. Um, <laughs> and, and here's the thing, and, and this is actually where I think you do have a good point because, uh, or on this, is 17, 18, 928 save percentage. Really, really, really good. Mm-hmm. 18, 19, 912. Still not bad for a backup goalie. Yeah. If you can get a backup goalie with a 9-12 playing 30 games, I think that that's valid. 50-30 mm-hmm. split is is fine for me for for John Gibson. But 19-20, 907 save percentage yeah, he in wasn't, 23 games. Ryan Miller, the Ducks goaltending as a whole wasn't good no. this this season and Ryan Miller was a part of that. And I think I think that's that gives you the out, right? It it gives you the out that he's on he his stats have been declining and he's not sure about it to begin with i think it's just time you can walk away from this with everybody kind of in a good place without it having to get to a point where he comes out in a season that he wasn't sure about to begin with and maybe gets lit up you know it's just not something that you want to see happen yeah yeah and and it seems like the ducks need to find their backup moving forward and maybe it is a stopgap situation where where the ducks are finding a guy for a year or two and lucas until lucas dostal who both you and I are very, very high on. I think mm. both of us, it was a Patreon episode where we went through this, but I think you and I both almost have him as our third best Ducks prospect or right in that range. Mm-hmm. There's just so many names on the market <laughs> this yeah. offseason. And, and I guess people are going to ask, well, who are these names? So I'll just throw them out. And I'm not anticipating all of these guys to maybe be in Anaheim's uh, crosshairs, but here's the names. Braden Holpe. Corey Crawford, Robin Leonard, although it sounds like he's already locked up by Vegas, Craig Anderson, Jimmy Howard, Matt Murray, Jacob Markstrom, Thomas Grice, Cam Talbot, Anton Hudobin. I'm thinking Dallas is going to want to bring him back. I don't know. Probably. Uh, you know, Brian Elliott, Mike Smith is out there. I don't think anyone wants him. Uh, Aaron Dell, Keith Kincaid. You know, you can just go down the list, but there's a bunch of guys. There's going to be guys available. And I think if you're Anaheim, I think that what Montreal did, bringing in Jake Allen to to spell Carey Price a little bit, I think that that's we don't know if that's going to work yet, but I think that that's something to maybe look at and say, hey, we have a guy in John Gibson who's following a similar career arc as Carey Price, who was a star in junior, was it was a star at the World Juniors, was uh, you know given a huge role at such a young age, and they have an opportunity to not wait and see John Gibson kind of fade physically and have serious, you know, knee issues, different things like that, 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 that price is experienced. And so if you can take some of the pressure off of him now, as opposed to when you absolutely have to, when he's into his thirties, you're buying yourself better years from John Gibson that you're paying him for. Yeah. So, um, here's a couple names that I think the ducks could maybe, maybe be looking at. And here's the issue is they're looking at that market. Yes, some of those guys are good. Some of them are in that mix that you would want to get. Matt Murray is an RFA, so I would kind of check him off. But mm-hmm. um, some of the guys will be way out of the Ducks price range. And a guy like Braden Holpe, Corey Crawford probably is going to resign. 
I mean, Craig Anderson, 39 years old. Yeah. Um, the, the players that would, I mean, you kind of have to go down the list a little bit to try to find one, but Brian Elliott may be a guy that you look at. He's 35, kind of on the older end, mm-hmm. but played 31 games this past season. Maybe could get that same bit to the mm-hmm. Ducks. Try to maybe try to go for Aaron Dell. Uh, uh, Linus Olmark's another name at 26. Who's a UFA or let me double. No, sorry. Linus Olmark is a RFA. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yes, there are some names out there, but I think the issue that you have is a lot of them aren't really proven. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that, well, yes, well, take a chance I, on a guy, I guess. Yes. I, I just, think, or, or do you trust mm-hmm. Stolars who's already in your system? It's a tough one. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm fully, willing to admit that it's a tough one and that there's not necessarily a guarantee out there. Um, who's going to, who you know, what about, it just depends how much you're willing to pay. You know, how, how, how willing are you yeah. to open up the checkbook? Well, and that's an issue the ducks have. I think we went over this on the Patreon episode. The ducks don't really have cap space. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and there's an issue. You can't really open, open your pocketbooks for uh, a backup goalie and you don't mm-hmm. necessarily want to give them a big contract, but the Ducks can really only afford to give a guy about two to three mil mm-hmm. um, before they're going to start getting themselves into real big cap trouble if they want to try to add to this team moving forward. And so um, that that's something to be concerned of. And the other thing that I think neither of us have mentioned yet is the Ducks need to get a goalie signed uh, prior to the expansion draft. Mm-hmm. One of the, the expansion draft requirements. So for those of you out there that don't remember, with the expansion draft, not only... Do you have your protection list mm-hmm. and those are the players that you're protecting and there are players that are exempt from the expansion draft. But on top of that, you have exposure requirements, which means mm-hmm. out of the players exposed, they have to meet. You have to have a certain amount of players that meet these requirements, essentially showing that you are exposing some NHL players for goalies. That requirement is you have to be exposing a goalie that is under contract for the season after or as an RFA at least. So you have to have a goalie that's under contract for the 21 22 season or as an rfa in the summer of 21 the issue the ducks have if you look at the goalies if i'm taking a look anthony stolars is the only expansion draft eligible goalie i believe maybe Oli erickson is but i'm not positive on that mm-hmm. um but and stolars is a ufa in 21 22 so they don't have anyone as of right now that would meet that uh criteria so maybe they look or maybe they just simply extend anthony stolars for a year and then that's done but if the Ducks go out and get a backup goalie, they're probably getting one for two years. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because Anthony Stolarz played one game, and with the expected the the goal saved above expected that he posted in that game, uh, he ranks twenty eighth when you don't control for how many games played in the NHL last season. Uh, he just twenty eighth in general. So maybe you roll with him. I don't know. Um, yeah. um, it's, and just it, it's just tough. as a heads up, I, I checked. Ole Eriksson-Eck is exempt. So okay. here are the Ducks' uh, current goalies that were either under contract previously or are currently under contract. So they're currently considered Ducks players that are expansion draft eligible. You have John Gibson, Anthony Stolarz, Kevin Boyle, Ryan Miller. Kevin Boyle and Ryan Miller are both UFAs right now. Anthony Stolarz is a UFA 2021. So they don't have anyone to meet that expansion draft requirement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tough also because if you're the, I think it's really hard to sign goalies out of free agency because you're bringing a guy from one environment into another and you just don't know how they're going to take to that. A guy that I would try to go all in on if I was the Ducks, depending on how the market shakes out, would be Thomas Grice. 
Uh, did not have a very good season this past year, but if you look at 1819, uh, he was top five in goals saved above expected. And if you go into the year prior, um, he's still a, he's still put up respectable numbers. And so he, that's one name, you know, off the top of my head. Cam, it's Cam Talbot's another one that I would potentially take a look at. Yeah, Cam Talbot. I just think you. It's tough. Stay it's, away from Mike Smith. Do not touch Mike Smith. <laughs> what if the Ducks get Mike Smith? And what if what if the Ducks get Mike Smith and Bob Murray comes out and says that they did it because of his partly because of his puck moving ability? Do you, do you just do Mike you just, Smith is Mike do you just Smith rage is 30, quit at that point? Mike Smith is thirty eight. I just don't know what Mike Smith has done at this point to warrant another contract. Yeah, it, that yeah. I, I mean, I, I really don't. Louis Domingue is maybe a guy that's younger that they go after. Maybe that that giving him a shot. I don't know. There are some it's guys tough. on there are some guys on this list, but yeah, if the Ducks, if Ryan Miller does get signed, I mean that actually kind of puts the Ducks in a bit more of a bind because you would not expect Miller to take a two year deal, mm-hmm. and so then you're you're kind of stuck extending Stolars for a year. Yeah, maybe a bit of a maybe a bit of a, a story here that's developing the backup goalie position for the Ducks. Mm-hmm. You we might just spend just, more time on that than I ever expected us to. You just you, you might have to just sign a guy to sign him, because looking a little deeper into Grice, I think I oversold how good he was two years ago. You one hundred percent were, or sorry, three years ago it would have been. Um, yeah, I don't know. Sorry about that. Got I would that. say I would Got, say Talbot. Talbot would be the guy I would go for. Well, Talbot Talbot was basically on par with Miller last season, except he's you know he's significantly younger. And you might you think well maybe you get him, um, you get him on the Ducks and you give him a different role. Who knows? You know maybe a little bit of a downgrade there. I don't know. I really don't know. I mean it's it's so hard with goalies. Talbot played twenty six games last season. You know that that's. I mean to me like the, this is where financial considerations really come into play because it just. This is going well, to come down to what you're willing to pay. To one, me, one thing we mm-hmm. we need to remember on this: it was not a full season. So we're talking about 26 games. Uh-huh. What is that if you add the extra 10 games? How many more games sure. does he play? So sure. it may be in the 30 plus range. Sure, it's it's going to be tough. Anyway, we should we should probably probably. I mean, unless you have something else you want to say, but uh, nope, nope. I, it's just I I had the aha moment about Miller. If he gets signed, mm-hmm. it's one year and that really kind of makes it tough on the expansion draft. So mm-hmm. I'll be curious if that happens, what they end up doing, if they just randomly acquire going to the expansion draft, having to go and trade for a, an RFA goalie or something will be interesting. Well, how would you feel if they traded for Matt Murray? Um, what, here's the question. What would it take to get Matt Murray? I don't think it would take a whole lot. Would it? If it doesn't take a whole lot, then sure. I mean, why not? He's I mean, he, a fine he's backup. A, he's a 26-year-old goalie who probably wants to start somewhere or have a chance at starting somewhere. Yeah, so going to the Ducks probably doesn't make sense for him on a personal level. But no. I, mean, I, I wouldn't. He's a fine backup. I, I think that he <laughs> overperformed in his two runs. But mm-hmm. uh, in terms of what you would get if he's playing 30 games, you can do a whole lot worse in this league. You could. Um I just want a guy. I mean, I think for the Ducks, you have to be targeting a guy who can play a significant amount of games. I mean, time brings up a good point of just bring up a kid. Doesn't matter. Save some money. Sure. I mean, just 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 go uh, j- j- just go with the kind of audition 
approach and just bringing guys. Do who, the Ducks bring over Lucas Dostal and just I, say, screw it, it's time? I don't think that's the right way to go. I don't either, but I'm just throwing <laughs> out ideas here. <laughs> okay, well, fair enough. I mean, hey, I would be curious to see it. I would be very curious to see it. I'll be curious to watch him in, in training camp, but I, I, I don't think oh, that that's... Oh, he's not going to be... He, the only way he goes to training camp is if he's going to be on the team. Mm-hmm. He, he will stay over in Finland unless he's guaranteed a spot. Well, who knows? Finland, the Finnish season's already started, I believe. That's true. Yeah, it's not like normal seasons. So. Or preseason has, at least. I, yeah, I know that. They're, they're underway. Okay. Well, let's get into our weekly topics about you 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 don't want to our good friend uh lewis asked are you prepared to suit up for the niners if need be oh yeah there's other questions that i just i just blotted them out from my mind sorry yeah yeah specifically lewis's question uh (laughs) look i'm a 49ers fan a lot of people know that it's tough right now i think the super bowl kind of exposed this team a little bit and it's only getting worse right now that that's all I'll say. Yeah. Am, am I prepared then, to suit up? No. Fair enough. And then our good our good friend Chip, totally offside. Yes. Says, if the stars win the cup, should they include Chip's name on it? I believe it's because she's picked the stars every single. She round has to win. She, she has uh, credit to Chip. Uh, she's made some shrewd picks throughout these playoffs. So she has. I'm just gonna go with yes. Why the hell not? Yeah. I mean, Chip Chip's is, name on the cup. Chip is four letters. They can they can afford four more letters, right? Get get her yeah. name on there. Get it on there. We should we should get hashtag chips cup trending. <laughs> yeah, I mean everyone out there, get get do it. Reply to totally offsides and say hashtag chips cup. The Dallas hype train wasn't really all there a while ago, <laughs> and now it's in full force. Oh, it's in full force. So uh, that's it though for the question. So I think now it's time to move on to kind of our our weekly segment and. Uh, yeah. So after we, we missed last week, we were a little bit busy. We've got something going on. So, uh, this is more so going to incorporate just this week though. Yeah, exactly. So we, we can dip into the week before, you know, we, we can dip into it a little bit, but this is obviously more focused on, uh, the, the week that was hero of the week. First segment for me, it's Anton Hudobin. Is that, is that fair? Yes, that is 100% fair, and Anton- that was one of mine, but oh, sure. Okay, did I just steal yours? I mean, I've got another one. Don't worry. I'm just going to go off of Dmitry Filipovich's tweet here. Last six games for Anton Hudobin since the start of the Western Conference Final, he's got a 954 save percentage, and this is, I think, before uh, yesterday's game one. Uh, he stopped 45 of 50 high-danger shots, 956 save percentage at 5-on-5, five five. 7.9 goals saved above expected. Anton Udobin's just good. Or he's yeah. just really good right now anyway. He's, he's a big, very good right now. He's a big reason why the Stars are where they are. And this, the Dallas Stars not only are in the Stanley Cup Final, but right now hold the lead in the Stanley Cup Final, up and, one games to none against and Tampa. And here's, here's the thing I want to be clear on on the Stars, because this is something I put in my weekly art, the article that was mine this week uh, on them, is that... Th- the Stars got there a little bit, not with, a little bit by smoke and mirrors, but not that much. They had hot goaltending, which, which propelled them. Well, past they've been Vegas. outscored, haven't they? Something but, like that. Well, no, but here's the thing with with them is Vegas is an absolute juggernaut in terms of expected goals for percentage, and they're a team that I believe on the season they were close to almost sixty percent or something like that. Like they were really, really good throughout the season, 
And it's not as if Dallas was a slouch. And so in the series, Dallas was only at 48% expected goals, four percentage, which against a team like Vegas, that's insanely impressive to me that they were able to pull that off. And when you're able to keep it tight and keep it close at like a team or against a team like Vegas, and you're able to get really good goaltending. That's a recipe for success. And especially as you, you and I have talked about a little bit, I think off air about Vegas, maybe they have an issue of, of having the scoring talent to put the puck in the net, to take advantage of their shot attempts and expected goals that they get. So if you're able to have the scoring talent, which the stars definitely seem to have, especially with Radulov, Sagan, and, and Ben to a certain extent. Um, and they're getting depth scoring. Well, Jamie Ben is better than Tyler Sagan. Ooh, that's a hot take. No, it's not. Is it? I, it seems like a hot take a bit. No, it's not. But regard, regardless, <laughs> w- when you look at Dallas's roster, you look at their their top-end talent. They're getting depth scoring. Their blue line's really good. And when you add in the fact that Hudobin's playing out of his mind, it makes sense that they're able to make it this far. And so I think credit to them and so i think that that's a big thing is anton hudobin was by was their best player but it's not as if he's the only reason why they're there and i think no, that's an important he, point but he's just excelled in at oh, his yes. position and to me he's a hero um you know 100%. I, i'm always pulling for goalies in the playoffs and he's he's really um he's really just been excellent so i just want to elaborate a little bit on what was perceived as a hot take a minute ago Oh, I wanted to get into my hero, but sure. Oh, go for oh it. no, go for it then. Go for it. So my hero of the week, seeing as you took that one, I'm going to take Braden Point. Mm, Braden yeah. Point, who is in and out of the Tampa Bay lineup, and with him, Tampa Bay won four games. Without him, Tampa Bay lost two. Mm-hmm. The common denominator is him, and you look at you look at his performance while he was in there. I mean, this is a guy that was sixty percent sixty percent expected goals four percentage, eighty five percent goals four percentage. Um, in all situations, I think he put up. Uh, let me double check really quickly. Um, but he put up seven points in the four games that he played. That's pretty good. That's yeah. pretty pretty good. Uh, is, also, is, only is only one of those on that team. Only one of those was a secondary assist. Um, uh, just so you know, um, I still think Kucherov's probably the best player on that team. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think it's Same. hard to argue that fact, but I think Braden Point is way more of a producer than a lot of people would give him credit for. And he's not the passenger that some people believe he is to Nikita Kucherov. He's a guy that drives play. And I mean, like I said, it's as simple as looking at the wins. And I know that that's an oversimplification at a certain point. And I agree that it's small sample size, but four wins with him, two losses without. And that shows his impact on the team. Yeah. If you look at the last, uh, three years point is maybe a little better defensively than Kucherov, but Kucherov is just so excellent. I mean, he's just so elite offensively. And if you look at last season, Kucherov was just a lot better, uh, offensively at five on five, at least. So, and then, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go out and limb and say Kucherov is the better power play player. <laughs> so yeah, it's still Kucherov to me, but that's, I mean, it, the, the, the lighting is just such a good example of that. The fact that, in order to be true Stanley Cup contenders year over year, hey, there might be some years where you don't win and maybe weird stuff happens like getting swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets in the first round. But you need you need those elite star-level players to, to have that opportunity year over year to, to be considered a contender. That's the price of admission, and, Could, and you can't get there without them. Maybe the, another hero of the week then should be uh, Julian Brisewa for... Sure. Uh, 
for, sure. I mean, you saying that just kind of really made that pop out of my head that a lot of other teams would have probably overreacted to the situation about of getting swept in the first round and say, we don't have it. We need such and such. We need such and such. The yeah, they brought, in, good enough. They, they brought in Zach Bogosian. They brought, in, they brought in Zach Bogosian, <laughs> Pat Maroon, Barkley Goodrow, and uh, Blake, Blake Coleman. Blake Coleman. Well, which which yeah. are peripheral pieces. They didn't do anything to their core, and well, that is exactly what they should have done. Those moves kind of appeased the the old school crowd of oh okay they got they got a little nastier. They brought in some some cup experience with Pat Maroon. Um, so, I mean the, the the other thing that's kind of crazy to me with the Lightning is that they're they're doing all of this without Steven Stamkos. Yeah. Who, who, by the way, is is the captain of the team and is very good last time I checked. Very, so, very good. Yeah, so I, I just, I don't know what the, look, I, I know maybe it's a little inappropriate to ask this because he's hurt, but what's the future for Stamkos in Tampa? Like, what do you do if you're Tampa Bay and you're going through the situation with Stamkos? Are you, know, are you are you trying to start some some rumors on this podcast? Some some thought process here of well, is, is he movable? This is something I've been kicking around in my head for for quite a bit of time now. You know, th- at least throughout this postseason. Because if you look at last season, you know, Steven Stamkos was still an elite player at at, at um on the power play, but even last season and and three years, the last three years, he hasn't been that good at five on five, and. He's getting older. His contract isn't the worst because of the way the Lightning are able to just hypnotize players into taking team-friendly deals. But what happens when you're good. He's got he's got three years left on his deal, four years left on his deal at 8.5 mil at age 30. And he's got a no-move clause, so obviously that makes things a lot more difficult. But how do you – does that register with you at all if you're the Lightning? Or do you just keep him and just say, screw it, we're just going to roll with him and, and give him a chance to get healthy? Yeah, I think that's what they do is kind of let it roll well, out. Well, what would see, you see. do? Because I'm, I'm pretty confident what they will do, but what would you do in that situation? What, what I would do, I mean, their cap structure is set up just so nicely, to be honest. It, it, I mean, here's here's the real thing. They have a lot of money coming off the books this upcoming summer. Mm-hmm. They, they currently will have... Uh, the issue is they don't really have a whole lot of cap space. I guess now that I look at it, mm-hmm. they've only got 5.3 million cap space and their roster is 50, uh, 15 players. Mm-hmm. So they'll need to add about six or seven players. So, I mean, someone's gonna, and especially uh, yeah, Mikhail and- Sergachev is an RFA. So, I mean, maybe you do look at moving him. Maybe it, it, you look at moving him. I mean, they're going to either have to move him, Andre Pilat, Tyler Johnson, or Alex Kalorn. Exactly. I think it's probably going to be one of those names you just put out there instead of Stamkos because Stamkos is the full no move. And who knows how that affects a locker room. It seems like he's really beloved within the Tampa Bay locker room. And maybe you don't want to upset that by trading out, by trading out the captain, you know, you know, who's, who's been such an established figure for your franchise. But to me, if I'm looking at it just coldly, just no consideration for all that, just pure logic. I would look into trading him because yeah. they're they're in the Stanley Cup final without him. They may very well win it without him and they haven't really looked much worse for wear. You maybe here in you know with Point hobbled now, maybe that they could use him, but I would I would look into it. Why yeah, not? No, you, you, I, you I could, agree. You, they the thing that the Lightning are kind of lacking in my opinion is is good future assets. You know, they 
they don't really have kind of that next prospect, it seems like, coming through the system. And I think that this might be a good time to to replenish that. And if you get a Stamkos moved, you're going to get some interesting pieces in return if you play it, right? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. By the way, their cap structure, actually, now that I, I really take a deep look at it, mm-hmm. there are actually some deals on this on this cap sheet that aren't fantastic. Ryan no. McDonough? No. Not, gro- not good for how long that is. Andre Vasilevsky? Well, you've never, you've never liked that. No, that, that's fair. I just, I think I forgot that it was 9.5. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, I think that they could, that, it just seems like a freebie for them to, to, to move off of, of Stamkos. So, yeah. so we'll yep. see. And Ryan McDonough is not even that good anymore. So that, yeah, that's. Uh, he's been pretty good. At, he was really good in game one. I'll he, give him that. He was, but I'm just saying more from a big picture perspective. If you look at his impact at five on five, it's not, it's not, it's kind of a legacy contract. I mean, he's still a good defensive player. I will give him that, but I don't know if he's necessarily a driver. Okay, let's move on to our next. I like how this just became a big picture of the, <laughs> of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Zero of the week. Who do you got? Uh, zero of the week. Who's yours? Let's go with that. Okay, just just throwing it right back. I see, throwing it right mm-hmm. back. Uh-huh. The St. Louis Blues. This is an easy one. What are this? What are the St. Louis Blues doing exactly? Can anyone explain that to me? Can anyone explain that to me? They gave Justin Falk a contract that, I mean, unless I missed Justin Falk being a top-flight defenseman throughout his whole career, um, I don't know really what he did to deserve seven years so, with a okay, six point okay, five million it. cap hit. So this was not this is not a zero of the past week. This is a zero. No, 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 no. Like well, the, re- the, the reason they're a zero of the week is okay. because of the following: the Alex Petrangelo situation, got it, which was which was brought to light this past week. So let me just pull up the tweet here, uh, really quickly. So the Blues' current offer to Alex Petrangelo is seven point seven million. AAV. Now, if you look at Evolving Hockey's contract projections tool, he's in the $9.8 million range a year. But he's going to get paid. The Blues have asked Petrangelo to accept the AAV without knowing the structure of the deal, without knowing the term, without knowing the details. How does that make any sense? He's your best defenseman. Maybe, maybe some people think Pareko is their best defenseman, but he is... He is one of the engines of that team, and you're basically you're basically asking him to to go out into UFA at this point. So to me, that's a zero of the week, not only because of the way they're handling it with such a really good player, but also because the reason they're in this situation is because of all these horrible moves that they've made to get themselves here. Like I was, like I started off with the Falk contract. I just don't really understand. They're basically they're they're basically cutting their window short at this point. They didn't look good in the playoffs. There's still talent on this roster, but if they're just going to hunker down on you know Marco Scandella with his four year extension and the Falk deal, and they're going to cut Petrangelo, they're not going to be very good next season and moving forward. Yeah. So okay. They're so, my they're my big zero of the week. Full disclosure here: I actually didn't have a zero of the week uh, fully laid out. I was more so thinking about on-ice play, but uh, your uh, mention of a trade or, well, rumor type of situation got me thinking. Here's my zero of the week. Mark Bergevin. 
Oh, come on. I'm giving him the zero of the week Why? for trading a pick for a guy that he could have just had in a couple weeks for uh, the same type of thing. And then signing him to that he traded a fifth round pick for Joel Edmondson, then gave Edmondson a four year deal at 3.5 mil a year. Why do you have to do and, this to me right now? And, and it's almost as if Mark Bergevin didn't learn from giving Carl Alsner his contract. Now, granted, I'll say this. Um, Joel Edmondson is probably maybe a little bit better than Carl Alsner. Definitely paid less, so it's going to hurt less and not be as bad moving forward. But we are in a cap, flat cap world, so that does change some things in terms of value. So It's a terrible move. It, it's a really bad it's move. It's a terrible and, move. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that, and I mean that's we could also sorry that's I mean messed up. I had to I was having sorry. A, I was having a great time on this pod until now. You well, just you just had to twist the knife a little bit. It's fine. Hey, I looked at Trade Tracker and that one popped up and I was like, oh yeah, that's a zero. There we go. <sighs> Found it. Okay. Found it. Can Found we, it can, live. Can everyone. we move on? Can we move sure. on? Okay. One guy who is not the zero of the week, who is the winner of my former duck spotlight category of the week daniel sprong remember him does anyone remember oh, him you did you went there i there went were there so many other options hey well you more for you right uh sure daniel sprong two-year extension with the washington capitals how about that and he's on a one-way deal for the next yeah. two years um the 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 salary itself isn't very rich uh it's seven hundred thousand dollars a year 750 in year two but he's on a one-way deal. He's going to be paid the same wherever he is, which indicates he's going to get a shot. I think for Washington, it makes a lot of sense because they're in a very strange cap situation. They have to re-sign Ovechkin next summer, and there's rumors that he's asking for $12 million, which is oh. kind of nuts. <laughs> yeah, Jake just kind of buckled there a little bit. Yeah, um, I, hadn't, I hadn't heard that yet. Yeah, he's asking for $12 million. And look, Alex wow. Ovechkin deserves everything he gets. And if you're the Washington Capitals, I would just give him his money and just let him chase Gretzky for the next few years and kind of have that be your identity and just worry about the future later. But uh, back to Daniel Sprong, I think that, look, Daniel Sprong has this really bad rap around the NHL, or at least he's had it, and I don't think it's backed up by evidence. If you look at the last couple of years with Anaheim, he put up some decent numbers, underlying numbers. He was a, defensively, especially last season when he was called up, you know, from San Diego, I thought that he looked good defensively. He was involved physically, maybe sometimes too much, really trying to drive home the fact that he was uh, a new kind of player. But he's got an offensive touch that few players have. He's too good for the AHL. And I think that this is a really good kind of flyer move for the Capitals. Do you, do you think Peter Laviolette is good for him? I don't know if Peter Laviolette's good for anyone at this point. <laughs> I don't Fair really, enough. I don't Shots really, fired. I don't really know why the Capitals went that route, but that's what the NHL is, right? It's just recycling coaches over and over. I don't think they'll get along, but I think management has they 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 re-signed the guy and they re-signed him to a contract that although the the money isn't there, I think that there's signals within it that they at least want to see what they have in him, and so I think that with Daniel Sprong. I'm just happy for the guy. I think he's a good hockey player. I think he's been a good hockey player at every level he's played at. There were definitely some red flags, even statistically in his game on Pittsburgh. I don't think he was good defensively then, but I think he has turned a a corner in that regard. And I think that if the Capitals give him 
a legit shot, I think he will take advantage of it and become the player that we've we thought he would be. So there you go. Good for Daniel Sprott. Yep. All right. Former Duck Spotlight of the Week. I mean, let's just go with all the guys in the cup final, seeing as there are <laughs> three that I can – oh, no, four. Four. There we go. Four that I can think of in the cup final. You have are Anton you, Hudo. Are you, in, are you including Luke Shen? Oh, wow. Five. Five. <laughs> There's five of them, guys. Is, are, and now I'm trying to think, are there any other ones that I'm not thinking about right now that I'm missing, that I'm forgetting about? Maybe. Luke Shen, we, Pat Maroon, Corey Anton Perry. Anton Hudobin. Yeah. And Andrew Cogliano. Yeah. So, uh, there you go. I mean, it. we've already shown a spotlight on Hudobin. Um, but you know what? Let's just go with Corey Perry. Corey Perry's in the Stanley Cup final. Let me ask you this question. It's something kind of, uh, some people in Twitch chat, um, by the way, people in our Twitch chat, once we get through kind of our standard stuff, we're going to have a little bit of randomness at the end of the show, and we'll get into some of your questions if you've got some stuff for us. I've already seen something that will be perfect for uh, the randomness portion of this episode. Um, but uh, someone asked, do you where do you think uh, Corey Perry will go after this year? And kind of, I'm going to add to that. Do you think if they win the cup, he retires? I think he will. Yeah, I'm in that boat where if if Dallas wins the Stanley Cup, I think Corey Perry is going to retire. Well, he should. He's getting paid anyway. <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't have to put his body on the line anymore uh, to get paid. The Ducks are going to be paying him for the next two years to to not be on the Anaheim Ducks. So, I think he should hang him up. I think it's been a tough road for him physically. He is 35, so it's not like he's that high up in age. He's not 40. But I think that he, if he wins, he could go out on top and not have to deal with kind of the, the back end that, that can get a little nasty, you know, with, with possible more injuries or the physical difficulties, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Here, here's another thing I would add on Perry, though. I don't know. You know, we talk a lot about Perry is still good. If you, if you look into some of the five-on-five five numbers, you know, if you look at RAPM on Evolving Hockey – he might actually not be that great anymore. <laughs> it it that you know the 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 Perry's still good thing might have to be retired a little bit. No, it's never getting retired. Now it's just being it, it's going to continue to be said just cause now at this point. Okay. Regardless. Fair enough. Fair enough. Regardless. Dedicating yourself to the bit. Exactly. I can appreciate that. Uh, do you have a narrative that is good or awful this week? I actually don't have a narrative right now. So do you? Uh, you mentioned, I think, before that you do. So what's your narrative? And I can give my uh, my thoughts I on mean, it. I mean, have, I have a classic. I have a source that it's it's like a gift. I mean, we've said this so many times, but a gift that keeps on giving. Do you know where I'm going with this? No, I don't. Mr. Pierre Maguire. He did it again. He, he, he actually did it again. Another quote, basically, that you can't measure anal- you can't measure the willingness to... Can I just bring it up? Oh, yeah. So, this was on... This was five days ago. McGuire on TSN 690 said that analytics... The analytics community tries to intimidate when they, you don't agree with their opinion. Says there is no analytics equation for heart or having the courage to block a 100-mile-an-hour slap shot. His exact words, that's how they do their business. It's intimidation. That's the analytics perspective. If they don't like what you have to say, they attack you rather than trying to have a civilized conversation. So I will say this. There are people within the analytics community, like on Twitter, who maybe could, could work on that. But there's people like that in all walks of life. It's not unique mm-hmm. to analytics. And on top of that, 
it doesn't it doesn't actually prove that analytics aren't that they don't have value or that they don't have a that they should, shouldn't play a significant role in decision making. So here's the reality: when you look at decision making in the NHL, teams get labeled as analytics teams, like Carolina or Arizona or whoever. And you have teams that are old school teams, quote unquote, like the Islanders with Lou Lamorello. The reality is this. Nobody is fully analytics. Nobody's fully eye test. It's all just more tools that you can deploy towards becoming the best possible team, whether it's at the amateur level, the pro level, finding advantages at every in every possible category. And so why people like Pierre Maguire continue to push this notion that it's one or the other and that analytics can't possibly have this seat at the table because they don't they don't value certain things. Right. Like there's obviously not an analytic. There's not a statistic for willingness to block a hundred mile an hour slap shot. Although maybe you could just like who blocks the most shots and maybe you could start there. But the point is that that's not a reason to just discount analytics numbers are really important. You have to actually know the facts. Analytics help us understand what's going on in front of us. And it's information. Exactly. And if you ignore that, you're really just doing it at your own peril. At this point, if you're ignoring all this information that's out there, both in the public sphere and in, in, you know, um, in proprietary data, you're really just you're putting yourself at a disadvantage. So it's really unfortunate because Pierre Maguire has a very prominent voice, obviously as the color commentator for NBC, as probably the most tenured color commentator on NBC sports. And people listen to that and they really believe it. And I just think it's unhealthy because you don't hear anyone out there saying, oh, well, scouting scouting doesn't work or, or scouting gets it wrong all the time. You know, you don't hear people bashing scouts. You know it's okay to be wrong on both sides, right? And I just think that we have to get to a point where we, we retire this narrative. And and here's actually, yes, it 100% needs to be retired. And the issue that you have is everyone talking about it are all from the viewpoint of old school hockey minds. Mm-hmm. Maybe the broadcast, instead of having Pierre Maguire, or as a result of having Pierre Maguire, have someone on who's more forward thinking, more analytic thinking, and maybe they can have a conversation. I think that that would be more interesting for everyone out there of going over it so that people then can have the information in front of them and understand, okay, I, I think a great person for it would be, uh, I was going to say Dimitri, but I think Dimitri may make fun of Pierre too much. But a uh, Mike Johnson yeah. uh, would be would be a great well, person. Another, who, another thing I wanted to add just quickly here is that, because I think to the point of analytics can't measure emotion People that look at analytics don't it's you're not putting yourself in a box. You are still looking at everything else. You're looking at how people work together within an organization. You're looking at guys' habits or practice. Just because you look at numbers to help make your decisions, I don't think that means people just ignore everything else. This well, and the I, false dichotomy. I, I've said this a bunch of time, I think, on this podcast, people may now have heard this from me a million times. You gotta view these like equations. And and Hart and I believe Dallas Aikens actually said this on an interview way back when on TSN Hockey Analytics. But but things like Hart hustle, all these things that people want to say can't be measured. All this different type of stuff. Those are all inputs into these equations. If you have that, and if that actually does matter, those are inputs. Things like puck skills, things like forecheck, forechecking, things like your system. All of these things are inputs 
into these equations where the output is having a positive expected goals for percentage. And if that input isn't necessarily that meaningful, then it's not going to have a great impact on that output. And so it's hard to fully know. And I guess maybe this is where you can say maybe they have a point. It's hard to know how much something like heart has an actual impact, um, an actual impact on that output, but it could be in there. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that's what we all, I think that's the response is, yes, these stats do measure that. These have an impact yeah. on it. Yeah, exactly. And I just think it's this false dichotomy. It's this false narrative to, to push the idea that if you look at analytics, you just don't look at anything else. And, and that's just not true, not true because everything is part of the equation. Like you said, if a guy really cares, if a guy's really trying, a manager will notice that. And maybe give that guy a little more leeway or, or, or try to get him into a better situation. So it's just a really unhealthy dialogue. And I, I wish it kind of stopped, but we're in 2020 and it's still going. So who knows? To be fair, it's just Pierre Maguire. And last time I checked, every time Pierre Maguire gets interviewed for GM jobs, he doesn't seem to get them. Maybe there's a reason for that. He doesn't seem maybe open-minded. Maybe that's one place to start. Anyway, just putting that out there. Let's uh, get into analytics. Speaking of analytics, analytics darling of the week. So who is a player who has stood out to you analytically? Do you want me to give you mine first? I've got one. Okay, let's hear it. I'm going to go with, and he's a guy that may be more than an analytics darling because of something he did in game one. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to go with Jamie Oleksiak. Mm. He's a guy that put up uh, expected goals, 4% of 71%. In game one, only allowing 0.3 expected goals against, mm-hmm. uh, all while playing 16:37 at five on five, which I believe was top. Uh, yes, it was the most minutes out of any Dallas Stars at, at Dallas Stars player at five on five. On top of that, he scored a goal, obviously, but even outside of that goal, he was fantastic for the Dallas. Mm-hmm. My pick, and this isn't this isn't so much analytics based. I will admit, there is an analytical case to be made. But because he plays for the New York Islanders, he just doesn't, he's not necessarily going to shine in this category. A player I've just really gotten to enjoy watching and who played well for the Islanders before they, they tapped out in the last week uh, in some really hard fought games, Ryan Pulock. He's just a, a very sound defenseman who's had decent numbers in these playoffs. If you look at kind of his RAPM numbers where, you know, just isolating for on-ice impact in different categories, he's got a strong impact in terms of expected goals against, which is kind of a, an Islanders thing. He really shuts down shot quality. He also helps generate goals at 5-on-5 five five and on the power play. And if you just watch him play, he's got a really good sense of moving the puck, you know, kind of when to hold on to it, when to get a quick outlet going, good puck skills in the offensive zone. And his expected goal numbers in the last week were, you know, above break even, not dominant. But he's just a guy who I think I would be very curious to see him in a system that wasn't like the Islanders, where they're so about just keeping things to the outside. And it's okay if we're going to let up all these shot attempts come our way. But he's he's a guy that I I think I was I had always known was out there and that I that I enjoyed watching play. But in these playoffs, that really came to the forefront. So there you go. Yep. Fair enough. There you go. Well, that is our last category of the week. I think you wanted to... Did you have another topic you wanted to get into? 
we got some stuff to get into. We got some questions from the Twitch chat, okay. by the way, everyone. Let's do it. Listening to this, watching it on YouTube. We do a live stream of the show. You can uh, follow us uh, there. If you hit the follow button, then you'll get notified anytime we go live. Twitch.tv slash Crash the Pond. If you want to help support the show, one way you can do it is there by subscribing. If you have Amazon Prime, you get one free Twitch Prime sub each and every month. You do have to hit that subscribe button after 30 days. Helps us out more than you can imagine. Um, and so with that, you get special badges next to your name. Um, and uh, if we're on a busier night or something like that, we'll prioritize your question. So if you want to help us out there, just hit that uh, subscribe button. So LewisX209 had asked earlier on in the night, uh, what show have you been binging lately? <laughs> oh boy do i really want to get into this i don't even know what this is so yes so no, maybe. for those who don't, I don't know, know a little personal touch a little personal touch here on the on the pod i have recently changed uh living situations new apartment i've got roommates again which i haven't had in a long time and um they tend to watch shows quite often which i don't usually and i've joined in couple shows that that we've watched lately well there's a couple things there's a movie which i had never watched and a show so i'll start with the show it's a show called you have you heard of this show no i have not it's extremely bad it's extreme it's extremely terrible starting off on a strong foot right now it's awful and it's on netflix it's about this guy who just kind of tricks women into falling in love with him and then basically when it doesn't work out he either murders them or murders the people around them. That took a turn. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's just awful. It's just so bad. Um, and then a movie that I saw recently, which I had never seen, Million Dollar Baby. I, don't, no, I haven't seen it, actually, but I know it's great. Very famous movie. I mean, there's so much acting talent in it. The actual plot is fairly, I don't want to call it generic, but it's it's not like super original. But it was very enjoyable. The acting was good. Uh, the, the camera work, everything was solid. Another show, <laughs> have you heard of the show Love Island? I've heard of it. <laughs> so my, one of my roommates is uh, is English, and so we watched the UK version just for fun oh. of Love Island. <laughs> just awful. Just so bad. Just tr- Speak, truly speaking terrible. Speaking of the UK, mm-hmm. you've watched some uh, some Premier League, some Premier League football this weekend. I have. I've watched what two. I watched two matches, which is a record for me in a long time. I watched Chris. Well, I watched the end of Crystal Palace, Manchester United. Obviously, just VAR continuing to ruin the sport there, and then uh, watched uh, a bit of Liverpool and um, Chelsea. So yeah. So you didn't wake up at four a.m. like I did this morning to watch Tottenham. You actually Tottenham. did wake up at four. Um, I woke up. Well, here's how the morning went. I woke up at four. Laid on the couch, threw a blanket over me, watched 20 minutes. Um, we were playing typical Mourinho ball, which meant, uh, for anyone sleep. out there that doesn't know, Mourinho basically doesn't think there's a midfield. Um, and so every single chance, was, any time that we had a chance, it was just someone from the back line trying to hit it over everyone's head so Sun can run onto it. Mm-hmm. And that made me fall asleep in 20 minutes. There you go. And woke up every once in a while to keep seeing the scores. And Tottenham ended up winning 5-2. to two. Yeah. So... Well, it, it was a the do, first do, half do was you bad. Mention they, who they played? I feel like that that has a. They played Southampton. They played Southampton. Yeah. Who, for whatever reason, after halftime, they still decided to have a very high line, and uh, Tottenham have some very fast players, and they just kept basically getting behind that high line. And so, Sun scored four goals. Harry Kane had four assists on all assists on all those goals and scored the fifth goal. And also, 
just so everyone out there knows, I'm absolutely buzzing on Tottenham right now. Gareth Bale's come home. Gareth Bale's come home. Old. So for anyone out there listening that obviously, and there's probably a fair amount that don't follow European soccer, the equivalent of this for Ducks fans is Tamus Lani signing back with the Ducks after the 0405 lockout and being kind of on the, the back end of his career, just having come off a bunch of injuries, um, but coming back to a club that he loves that puts him in a, in a good headspace. And that's where Gareth Bale is at. Gareth Bale went to Madrid, did everything that he could at Madrid. The Spanish media base and Spanish fans basically just didn't like him because he had some games that weren't great and basically were super critical. And now he's back at a club that loves him, and we'll see how it goes at 31 years old. One one thing that I've enjoyed watching more soccer is the soccer commentators are so much more critical. Oh, 100. percent It's it's almost toxic at times, but well, it's I'm, it's fun. I'm wondering if it's a couple different things with that. One thing is you're you were watching NBC's coverage, right? Uh, I was watching Peacock. Yeah, so that's NBC's coverage. Okay, gotcha. And that is NBC's, uh-huh. and and so those are NBC's commentators. So I think they maybe because they are international. Granted, the actual in in uh, in stand commentators are actually in England, but maybe that plays a part in it. But I think the other thing is clubs don't have commentators like they do here. Uh-huh. It's not as if yeah. anyone's employed by that club, and and that's partially due to the fact that not all games are shown on TV there every uh it, it's actually kind of a funny thing where if you are in the u.s you have more access to Premier League games than people do in england um so maybe that's a part of it where you don't have this you have this separation of commentators from the club and i mean you have a lot of times where managers go off on reporters uh, over there because of it and so maybe that's part of it yeah i think it's it's a balance because if you watch for example sunday night football with chris collinsworth and al michaels they do a really good job of being critical, but also showing that they're enjoying what they're watching. <laughs> they, you know, they're, they're always pointing out the positives in the play. They're, they're always, you know, fawning over a, a great play. And I think maybe the English commentary could, could maybe benefit from a little bit more of that because when you're just constantly hearing about how they're not doing things well, it, it paints a certain picture, and that's how people interpret it. But I, but I kind of enjoy it as a critical person myself. It, it, it does have a certain, uh, a certain appeal to me. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah. So absolutely fantastic week for me with Tottenham, though. Very, very happy. One of the the first times in a while that I've had a joyful moment from sports. Wow, has it been that long? I mean. Think about when I would have had the last one. You, Tottenham and Project Restart was bad. Mm-hmm. LAFC had a fun little run, but they lost, and they've looked kind of bad in the last little bit. Mm-hmm. Ducks aren't in the playoffs. Angels are buttercupping me hard <laughs> um, by getting just close enough to the playoff race to then lose and be out of the playoff race. Uh-huh. So, you know, um, uh, yeah, Tottenham is the only joy I have right now in sports. So let's go with well, that. Well, hey, some is better than none. Some is yeah. better than none. So George had a question saying, when will fans be able to watch live hockey this coming season? When do you, do you think that there will be people in stadium? I think so. Yeah. Do you think it will happen right away? No, I don't think that there's going to be, well, there might be some states that will allow fans indoors. I mean, if you watch football, there are some stadiums where it's not capacity, but you like, for example, Kansas city had 20,000 fans. 
so and that's outdoors, so it's different. But I think that you are going to see some teams. Um, I mean, Dallas. Yeah. Dallas is having their watch parties right now at the American is at the American Airlines Center. So yeah. I think that we are going to see fans in certain buildings. And I think by the time, you know, we get to February, March, I think that there will be a lot more teams that have fans in the building. And by the time 20, the 2021, 2022 seasons, season rolls around, I think we'll be close to normal in terms of fans. Yeah. Oh, I realized I forgot to say what I've watched outside of sports. Um, <laughs> Didn't answer. Last weekend, last weekend and this weekend, uh, my wife and I decided because she had never seen the Terminator series, so we watched oh. the the very first Terminator last weekend and watched uh, Terminator Two Judgment Day this past nice. weekend. Very nice. And then also it watched it a while ago. But if anyone has Hulu, go watch Palm Springs. It's an absolutely great movie. Really fun time. Mm-hmm. Go watch it. One of the best. One of the best movies I think to come out during quarantine, and probably one of the best movies over the past year. Uh, time, time in our Twitch chat, by the way, is saying Norseman. Uh, it's very good per his, uh, recommendation. Okay. Okay. All right. Yep. And then obviously watching wrestling outside of that for me. Yeah. Really good UFC fight night last night. If you're a UFC fan, some really good memorable moments. I mean, some crazy moments, crazy moments to highlight a local fighter, Mackenzie Dern with a really nice submission. She fights out of Huntington beach. So want to give a little shout out there. Football football is back fantasy football it's doing it again the emotional roller coaster that it is you're you're getting screwed you're getting screwed last weekend had an awesome weekend did really well and this weekend doing okay but it's just it just hurts it hurts when it doesn't go well is this your therapy for fantasy football right now you know lay it out there come on felix (sighs) i spent a lot of time this week researching and i feel mostly good about the decisions i've made but some of them are not looking so hot right now, like sitting Stefan Diggs and starting Todd Gurley in one league. Uh, Todd Gurley did a whole lot of nothing, and I probably should have put Diggs in there, but it's okay. It's okay. We'll, we'll get better from this. We'll- I mean, you could you could be me and uh, be a Saquon, or a Saquon Barkley owner, and yeah. it looks like he's <laughs> out for the season. Yeah. That- <laughs> and he was my first-round pick. Yeah. That- and then also I have George Kittle, who who knows how long he's going to be out. So I, I'm in great shape in fantasy. That's football. true. Well, I'm also in three leagues, and somehow I didn't have one player who had these devastating injuries today. So it could be worse. Uh, You're right. It could be yes, a lot. It, yes, it could be it a lot worse. It definitely could be worse. But so- I, I'm very happy that football's back. I mean, for those who don't know, Obviously, my top sport is hockey by a very wide, wide margin. But I would say right now, number two might be football. Might be the NFL right now. I'll, I'll turn you into a Premier League pan, fan somewhat. So- we'll see. Soccer just doesn't. It, it's have, having your roommate. Uh, having your roommate now that watches soccer will help. I watch it and I enjoy it, but it's not the same. It's just not the same as hockey for me. You know, I don't get like the level of, Oh no, it's not going to pass hockey. the level of excitement I get. And it doesn't even come. I don't even think it has the same level of excitement as football either. It's just, it's just so slow. It's just, you know, I think it takes so much it's, time. It's chess. It's chess. Yeah. But I don't want to watch a chess match. I want to watch go, 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 go. That's why I love hockey. Cause hockey does, you get the chess match, but it happens at a very high speed. Well, yeah, that's why I have hockey first. Yeah. Soccer second for me now. I was a, I mean, I still am a big basketball fan, but for everyone knows at this point, probably as a Warriors fan, I don't really have much interest in what's going on. I know the, I think the Lakers won tonight, so good for everybody else. But 
good. It's a lot of our listeners are probably Lakers fans, so yeah, they're probably happy about that. Yeah, it's just not. I can't. I don't really have as much of an interest this year. You know, like LeBron. I I don't care about his legacy at this point. Ooh. Time just threw in our Twitch chat. Soccer is hockey, but with much better flow. That's not a bad actual statement at, nope. if you think about it. Because it just keeps going and going and oh, going. Yeah. There's not as many oh, stoppages. Yeah. You so know, it's got better flow in that sense. Yeah, you, Even when the ball goes out of play, it gets back in so quickly. Yeah, because you know, be- better flow means just kicking it back to your keeper instead of a whistle, I guess. Is that the argument here? You're, you're building it up for that breakdown. Nah, sorry. Maybe, maybe with more time. I mean, I'm not saying like I dislike soccer. I'm just saying comparing it. Hater, hater. Compa- hater. Comparing it to the other sports that I enjoy. Multiple seven goal games this past weekend in the Premier League. Yeah, but also some mismatches. Some some mismatched uh, situations. I don't I don't think we're going to see that every weekend. No, we're not. There's going to be a lot. It's going to be very similar. But, I mean, Brighton Hove, Hove Albion put up a three spot, three nothing on Newcastle today. Yeah. Leicester won four to two today. Uh, you had Leeds beating Fulham four to three, Everton West Brom five two. There were some high scoring matches. I think I prefer watching rugby to soccer. Too hot I, of a take. I, I I just don't understand rugby. <laughs> On my honeymoon in Australia, there. So for any, if we have any listeners in Australia, let me know if this is true. But this is what I remember. Uh, there's a station. I think it's like Fox Sports Rugby that's dedicated to only rugby. Yeah. And then I think there's also a channel Fox Sports like. Aussie rules football. That's just Aussie rules football. Well, the thing with and, rugby has more watching, action than soccer. Well, watching those two back to back, Aussie rules football is so much better than uh, than uh, rugby. By the way, just giving a shout out, Golden Road Hazy LA IPA. Very good. For anyone, you're who, copying me again. Am I copying me? Is this no? I'm just, this what I'm you're just saying that because on? I think that one of the last episodes I had a hazy, and you're like, "What is a hazy?" Someone, what is someone? It? I I just got provided this, like as we are recording. So I'm I'm just fueled up and ready to go. There you go. <laughs> we could do another podcast, but I think I think it's time. I, I think it's time. We we've now done a lot. We're an hour and a half in. Roughly, are we really? And roughly. Oh my goodness. Roughly an hour hour and a half in. So. For those of you out there, as we, as we said at the top, we are now partnered with Manscaped. Mm-hmm. Uh, official first kind of pod with Ad Read will be later on uh, or earlier on in October. Um, but the code is live. So if you want to help support this show, go to manscaped.com. Yeah. If you've been thinking about it, you've heard ads from other people, seen the Ad Reads, seen their products. Uh, Felix and I can both tell you their product's good. Uh, go, to their, go to manscaped.com. If you use the code CTP, stands for Crash the Pond, uh, at, at checkout, you will get twenty percent off plus free shipping. At the, so, at, at the risk of losing some people here, if you've been itching to get new grooming products, um, go check them out. Wow, wow, go check them out. But <laughs> they're obviously lawnmower, lawnmower two lawnmower three great. But even their other products, they they they've got bombs, they've got all these different things uh, to use. They've they've got a, a fantastic assortment of products. So go check it out, manscaped.com. Use the code CTP. Absolutely. And how else can they support the show, Felix? A bunch of different ways, but I'll give you the main one, patreon.com slash crash the pond. A couple of different ways you can support us within that. A dollar a month, you get access to our Discord chat where you can chat with us at any time of the day. We can talk about different topics. Um, we talk about breaking news within the NHL. If uh, you know When the games are happening, we might just get in there and react. Um, obviously, when the Ducks are, when they return, 
what we've done in the past is we'll do live game chats. So basically we're all in there kind of like a forum throughout the game. We're just going back and forth and what's happening. And those, I actually miss those a lot because those were a lot of fun. And it's it's yeah. a nice little community in there because everybody's just a diehard fan. Everybody just wants to to talk about the the bigger topics or the, the niche topics. It doesn't really matter. We just get into everything. And that's for a dollar a month. I mean, one dollar. It's it's not a whole lot. And, and, and you're supporting it. Just You don't even have to join the Discord chat. If you just want to support us, it's a dollar a month. But if you want to take it up a notch, $5 a month, you still get access to the chat. You also get access to two bonus episodes a month. So if you're a big fan of, of what we do here on our on our regular episodes, we do that two additional times through this, but we take it up a notch. We go deeper into different topics. Uh, if you enjoy the banter of the show, kind of more of the uh, the fun moments, you know, and less of the analysis, that's kind of what the Patreon show is about. It's a little more lighthearted, but we also get deeper into some topics. So that's twice a month and through the discord chat you can we we regularly solicit the discord chat to to get topics for that so you can you can directly hear what you know what you want to hear, hear talk about hear discussed so it's a it's really just a great thing and it's a, a, a really something that goes a long way for us um you know obviously this show is a is a labor of love right now um you know we talk about manscape but hey we're Doing this show doesn't really pay the bills for Jake and I. It's just something that we do purely because we enjoy it, because we love hockey, because we love talking about the Ducks. So any little thing you can do goes a long way. But even if it's not monetary, there's another way that really helps. If you go to Apple Podcasts, just type in Crash the Pond, brings up our show, and you literally, you don't even have to leave a review. You can just scroll down, hit the five stars, and that's it. You're done. But if you leave a review, it really helps us climb up the charts. It really helps us get noticed more, and it helps us have more exciting opportunities to make the show bigger, better, and bring it to more people. Of course, we're on different avenues, Spotify, YouTube. YouTube is a big one. A lot of people like to listen to their podcasts and video form. YouTube.com slash Crash the Pond. Yep. And is there anything else I'm missing here, Jake? Um, We already went over Twitch. Yep, Twitch. Nope, Twitch, Twitch, YouTube, Manscaped. Uh, <laughs> Apple Podcast. Find us on Spotify also. Yep. Uh, I know a lot of. I I am actually someone who uses Spotify a bunch. Yeah. So exactly. if you have also migrated over to there, our podcast is on Spotify. Go check us out there. Yeah. Exactly. And 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 also, um, you know, we do have a website, crashthepond.com. We've got articles every Fridays on the this week in the NHL bubble. That is going to be winding down, so we'll we'll be bringing you more content there, and that's also where we post our podcast. You can find us on social media. Jake is on Twitter at ReindeerGames91. He's got some tweets going up every now and again, various different topics. Um, There's been a lot of Tottenham tweets this past week. Sorry, everyone. I, You've had to deal with it. I am on Twitter at Felix underscore Sicard. My Twitter, I would say, is 98% hockey. It's it's pretty... The, the split is a lot different, I would say, than yours. Is that fair? Mine this past week has been maybe like ten to twenty percent, or ten to twenty percent hockey. <laughs> Mine Probably. is, you know, on a bad week it'll be ninety percent hockey. But um, yeah, so just follow us there. We're constantly, you know, if if there's news going on, uh, we're gonna be tweeting about it. And also, if you tweet us there, we'll we'll go back and forth with you. I mean, definitely Jake will. Jake, he will he will go at it with people. If if there's a debate brought his way, he's never seen a debate. He he didn't feel strongly enough to to back down from I'm like, I'm like Will Ferrell in old school. Yeah. You know, 
Sometimes I just lose consciousness and just go for the debate. <laughs> yeah, so hit us up there. That's on Twitter. Uh, Crash the Pond is also on Facebook. So if you're uh, uh, someone that's on Facebook and you want to follow us there, that's an easy way to do it. Just search Crash the Pond. So that's going to do it for us this week, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your continued support. And we will talk to you soon. Have a good one. Bye.